Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Episode 102, Tāwhaki, Part 2. This podcast is supported by our amazing patrons, such as Palila and Yang. Hopefully I pronounced those correctly. If you'd like to support Hans, go to patreon.com slash history Aotearoa. The years passed by, and Tafaki was lonely. His mother and his wife had gone to the Renga, and his son had taken a wife. But Tafaki's fame had spread afar, even up to the heavenly places. Looking down from her home in the sky, a daughter of the gods who had heard of his mighty deeds saw the strength of his limbs, the muscles that rippled under his skin, the deep tattooing, the fire that glowed in his eyes, the clear-cut features, the way he walked, the fearless manner of his talking. She came down from the seventh heaven and lived with Tafaki. In time, a daughter was born to them, descendant of the immortal woman and the mortal father. They lived happily together until one day, in a thoughtless moment, Tafaki made a careless remark about his daughter that wounded his celestial wife. She was not like a woman of earth. She caught her child up in her arms and rose up towards the sky. Tafaki realised the consequences of his words. Harpai, his wife, had risen beyond his reach. For a moment, she rested by the tekoteko at the roof gable and looked sorrowfully at her husband. I shall never come back, she said. Tell me then what I may have as a remembrance of you, Tafaki cried. Harpai remained silent for a little space. You will follow, Tafaki, I know it. My message to you is this. When you climb the heights of heaven, beware of the creeper that sways in the wind. Choose the one whose roots have struck deeply into the earth. Farewell. The moon had swelled night by night and diminished night by night until it was but a line of silver in the sky. Come, Karihi, Tafaki said to his brother. Let us go out again together. Where shall we go? asked Karihi. A long way, brother. I'm going to search for my wife and daughter. The brothers travelled together far over the land until they saw the tendrils that stretched like the threads of a giant spider's web between earth and heaven. They hurried towards them, and there, holding the tendrils in her hand, sat their old, blind grandmother, Matakiripo. Ten taro roots were spread in front of her. Tafaki and Karihi came up quietly and watched the old lady. With her free hand, she felt the roots and counted them slowly. Tahi, Rua, Toru, Fa, Rima, Ono, Fetu, Waru, Iwa. With a twinkle in his eye, Tafaki had quietly removed the tenth root. A puzzled frown wrinkled the old woman's brow. Thinking she had counted them wrongly, she began again. Tahi, Rua, Toru, Fa, Rima, Ono, Fetu, Waru. This time, Karihi had taken a root. 
Matakiripo grumbled to herself, and once more she felt the roots. Tahi, rua, toru, fa, rima, ono, fetu. For a moment she sat silent in thought. Someone was stealing her roots. With a lightning move, she snapped up her weapon and lashed round in a wide circle with a blow that would have laid open a man's skull. Tafaki and Karihi were watching her like hawks, and as the weapon sang through the air, they lay flat on their faces so that it passed harmlessly over them. Their grandmother put the weapon away and sat wrapped in thought. Tafaki crept forward and struck her playfully on the face. The old woman was frightened. Releasing the tendril she had been holding, she put her hands to her face and cried pitifully, Who is it? Who is here? Tafaki struck her again across her eyes, and immediately her sight was restored. Blinking in the unaccustomed light, she peered into the faces of the men in front of her. Then she gave a loud cry of welcome. It is you, Tafaki, my grandson, and Karihi. She embraced them both. When greetings were over, she asked them where they were going. I'm searching for my daughter and wife, Tafaki said. Where are they? They are above, somewhere in the skyland. The old lady blinked. What made them go to the sky, Tafaki? Hapai was a goddess, my grandmother. She came down to earth and lived with me for a while, but now she has returned. The days are empty without wife or daughter, so I have come to seek them. There lies your ladder to the skies, his grandmother replied, grasping the creepers again. That is the road you must travel. Beware the tendrils that sway in the breeze, and when you are between heaven and earth, my grandson, do not look down, lest you become giddy. Look ever up. Karihi had been looking at the creepers while they were talking. Without waiting to hear his grandmother's words, he sprang up and clutched one of them. But it was one which was drifting loosely above the earth. The moment his fingers closed on the rope-like stem, a gust of wind caught it and swept him out of sight. His breath choked him as the forests and seas raced below in a flashing pattern of green and blue. A moment later, another fierce gust swung up towards the sky. He dropped with a sickening jolt that almost tore his hands away. Again, he was swept out towards the horizon. Again, he was swept back. Far off, he could see Tafaki and Matakiripo. They grew suddenly large, and Tafaki yelled, let go, now! As the creeper swept past, Karihi dropped off and fell at the feet of his brother. Tafaki felt alarmed for his brother's safety. It was not a light thing to undertake, this storming of the citadel of Atua. In his heart, he knew Karihi was not fitted to face the dangers of the long journey to the heavens. Go home to our people, Karihi, he said kindly. Our families need protection. Go back to the Pa while there is still time, for I may not return, and it is better than one chief should be lost rather than two. Karihi felt that his brother was right. 
He longed to dare that stupendous climb, but Tawhaki knew best, and sadly, he returned to the pa upon the hilltop. Tawhaki chose the firmly rooted creeper carefully and grasped the stem in his strong hands. He climbed steadily, clinging firmly with his toes as well as his fingers. He kept his eyes fixed on the creeper where it thinned to a thread in the bright sky and was lost to sight. His grandmother's voice came up to him, fainter and ever fainter, as he climbed. But it gave him new strength. Hold fast, Tafaki, hold fast. Let your hands hold fast. Presently, the voice faded away, and there was no sound but the singing of the tendril in the air, and the never-ceasing whisper of the winds, the restless children of Tafirimatia. He longed to see the comforting earth, and perhaps that distant speck that would be Matokiripo, but he continued to look upwards. It was cold in the empty space, but he chanted a karakia that gave him strength to his hands and warmth to his body. Before he could realise it, Tafaki found himself in the skyland, lying among the ferns and breathing heavily. Presently, he stood up and looked around. The trees grew close together and there was no one in sight, but he could hear the thud of an axe and the sound of voices. He changed himself into the form of an old man, white hair, thin and stooped, and pushed through the undergrowth. He came to the edge of a clearing and stood watching the scene. An unfinished waka lay on the ground, and a score of godmen were busy on it, cutting and smoothing the long hull. They were the brothers of Hapai, his celestial wife, and Tafaki knew that he was coming to the end of his search. They stopped their work to look at him as he approached. One of them shouted, Look at the old man there. Come, it is nearly night. Let us finish now. The old man can carry our tools. They threw down their adzes, and one of them addressed Tafaki. Come, slave, pick up the adzes and follow us as quickly as you can. Tafaki picked up the tools and followed the chattering godmen. He limped amidst the shadows, and soon they were out of sight. Then he turned and hurried back to the waka. Throwing off his cloak, he took an adze, and putting the sharp edge to the rough wood, he ran it swiftly along the sides. The wood curled crisply from the punamu blade, and instead of the uneven timber, a smooth surface slid from the planing edge. Several times Tafaki laid the adze blade to the huge log, and in a few minutes the shape of a finished hull grew under his cunning fingers. However, he had to run off before he could complete his task. As he approached the village where the brothers of Hapai lived, old and decrepit and bent under his load of adzes, he met two women who had been gathering wood for the fire. Here is the new slave they have been telling us about, one of them laughed. Why should we carry wood when there is a slave to do it for us? Come old man, come over here. 
Tawhiki went to them and stooped while they laid a bundle of sticks on his back. And so he came to the home of his wife, Tawhiki, the Toa Rangatira, who was without peer in the earthland, stooped as an old man, dishonoured as a slave. They laughed at him as he crossed into the marae. He saw his wife and daughter, but he made no sign. Still, bending under his load, he walked steadily towards them. Put the wood down there, lowborn, someone shouted. But Tafaki took no notice. He walked straight on towards Hapai as she sat warming herself by the fire, and threw the wood close beside her. Then he lowered himself to the ground, slowly and carefully as an old man would, and held out his hands to the blaze. Fool! a young woman shouted. You've made yourself tapu by sitting next to the high-born Hapai. Tafaki did not answer, but stared at his wife and child through the leaping flames. But they took no notice of the old man who lay back in the darkness of their home. The next morning, Tafaki was awakened with a cry. Get up, slave, and take the tools to the waka. Like an old man, he straightened his back slowly and stood up. He picked up the adzes and followed the godmen through the bush to the waka. As they came to the clearing, he heard their shout of surprise and smiled to himself. They took no notice of him when he lowered the tools to the ground and listened to their exclamations as they walked round the half-finished waka, looking at the work that had been done since they left the previous night. Continuing their work throughout the day, when the dusk began to creep down on the clearing, the godmen left their work with little to show for the day's toil, and Tafaki followed with the adzes. Once again, when they were out of sight, he returned with swift steps, and adzed and planed until the waka was nearly finished. The following morning, there was even more talk and bewilderment. At nightfall, Tafaki returned to the clearing and added the last strokes to the delicate whirls on the prow and stern post. He had shed his disguise, and as he looked up to the lofty column of wooden tracery at the stern, he looked like an atua. Keen eyes were staring at him out of the undergrowth, for this time his brothers-in-law had remained hidden behind the bushes to watch for the coming of the skilled worker who had completed their task. Without a word, they hurried back to their kaina and sought out their sister, Hapai. Tell us, they said, what does your husband look like? Is he a man in the fullness of strength? Aye. Tall and straight as a kodi? Aye. Is his hair black and his eyes like stars? Aye. Then it is Tafaki who finished our waka. Watch you for him when he comes. Presently, the old man walked to the marae and lowered the adzes from his back. He walked towards Hapai. She looked at him carefully. This man's back was bent. His face seemed wrinkled, and the flesh hung in loose folds on his body. Who are you? 
asked Hapai. The old man walked on without a word. Tell me, are you Tafaki? He continued on until he reached Harpai's daughter. He lifted her up and held her tightly in his arms. As he straightened himself, his limbs filled out and the muscles rippled again across his broad back. When he turned to Harpai, his face had become young and handsome, and the fires of joy were shining in his eyes. It is Tafaki, the godmen cried. But Harpai lowered her head and cried, for her heart was melting with gladness. Tafaki took his place in the whare with his wife that night. When the sun rose, they broke down the wall of their home and carried the little girl through the place where no feet had walked before, and she was baptised. Her father was there, bold Tafaki among the godmen. Thunder and lightning broke from the ground beneath his feet when he walked. When the lightning flashes and the thunder roars through the heavens, men listen and look up at the lofty sky and say to each other, It is Tafaki who walks through the heavens. If you want to send me feedback, ask a question, suggest a topic, or just have a chinwag, you can find my email and social media on historyaotearoa.com. Aotearoa spelt A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. You can also find helpful resources there, like transcripts, sources, and translations for some of the Te Reo Māori we have used. This is our last episode of the year. I will be taking, as normal, a slight break in the latter half of December, uh, but we will be back in the new year to start our next major topic in our series. It's one of our last topics that we need to cover before we hit uh, when Europeans arrive in New Zealand. Uh, And this next topic will be on Māori religion. So we'll be talking Atua, we'll be talking Heavens, we'll be talking Underworlds and all that good stuff. A lot of the stuff that you've just listened to uh, will actually be covering what those are, what those mean and all that sort of good stuff. So once again, uh, thank you very much for a fantastic year that we've had this year. Uh, Thank you for indulging me in my very long-lived Spates obsession. We won't be doing that sort of thing for a wee while yet, but hopefully you have enjoyed uh, the episodes that have come out this year, and hopefully you are enjoying the new uh, quality of audio that we have now, uh, thanks to uh, Rob, our new editor, and Blue Reef, which is his company that he is now doing podcasting stuff with. So um, Rob will be listening to this later in post, um, but he is actually just kind of outside the room that I'm currently recording in. Uh, So thanks, Rob. Everyone give him a really big thumbs up. He won't see it because this is audio and you'll be listening to this later, but thanks. So with that, I will see you next year. Have a safe and happy holiday and merry kirehe mete to you all.